thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at cxchronicles.com today or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Hey folks, this is Adrian, your host of the CX Chronicles podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to amazing customer-focused business leaders each and every week. I wanted to take a minute to talk about a couple brand new product and service offerings at CXC. Number one, customer scorecards. Have you had a minute to take a look at our CX scorecards and understand how you're doing across team, tools, process, and feedback? Number two, customer feedback reporting. A number of different companies are looking for ways to get better customer feedback reporting. Reach out to CXE today if you need help setting up your MPS, CSAT, product SAT, or customer effort scoring. Number three, customer experience coaching. Take the time to become a customer-focused business leader. We've done some amazing work with a number of awesome CXers out there. Reach out to us today at CXE to learn how you can get your customer-focused business leader playbook for success. Check us out at CXChronicles.com. Hey, folks. Thanks so much for listening to the CX Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Adrian brady Chisana. Super excited for today's show, guys, as we have Jake Soroffman from MetaCX and Ross Fulton from ValueWise joining the show today. Gentlemen, welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. So guys, super excited for today's show. I, 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 I'd love to start off today's episode uh, and either one of you feel free to jump in first, but we're going to talk about a number of different things. We're going to talk about customer experience, customer service. We're going to talk about all of the different things that are happening in this, this customer focused space. And we all know that in 2021, companies across planet earth finally get it. They finally understand and they're doing everything they can to focus on retention, churn mitigation, and increasing the bottom line by keeping customers uh, as happy as possible in a repeat return fashion. So laying the ground that way, Jake, why don't you why don't you spend a, a few minutes kind of jumping into how did you get into the space? How did you find an interest in a, a huge opportunity in this world? Yeah, so I'll give you, I'll try to give you the short story. Um, MetaCX was founded uh, a few years ago now, uh, but we've only been in market for six, eight months. Um, and it was founded by a guy named Scott McCorkle, who was president of Exact Target, and then through the Salesforce acquisition, CEO of the Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And when he was leaving Salesforce, he had this epiphany that CRM, as it was currently defined, was doing an inadequate job at really uh, enabling sort of collaboration and proof of value in B2B customer relationships. So the thesis was like, if, if we were to redefine CRM, what would it look like? And as a thought experiment, he stepped into um, sort of what it would be the characteristics of, of what that CRM would be. And it would be collaborative. It would include the customer at every phase. It would be focused on the value that's being delivered and the value that's being proven as a measure of success within that relationship. And that became sort of the genesis of MetaCX. So it's um, a layer on top of your existing tooling that allows you to manage the customer lifecycle differently and we think more effectively from the perspective of aligning around a value promised and value delivered and value proven across the entire customer lifecycle. 
Love it. Love it. I mean, first of all, it's super helpful. Every single business out there today, especially, especially post COVID gentlemen, there's already so many balls up in the air that you're juggling. Uh, there's so many, already so many different challenges. Um, and then <clears throat> most, most importantly, there's so many tools out there. There's so many tools. There's so many different processes. There's so many different methodologies, ways of doing this that sometimes it can just be ridiculously daunting, right? It could be, it could feel as if <clears throat> you don't even know where to start. Um, and so it sounds like a big part of what, um, what you're doing is really helping to navigate some of that mess, navigate some of that uncertainty and try to figure out where people can actually find smooth paths forward. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So also a great segue into Ross's role and what we're talking about here today. And I'll just set it up. And then Ross, if you want to put a little more meat on the bone, but ValueEyes and MetaCX have a partnership that we call a CoLab. It's a joint offering, which is a combination of consulting services and, and strategy, as well as software that allows you to sort of create a working prototype of the future state of your customer lifecycle alongside the current state uh, in a way that isn't disruptive to how you uh, work today, but allows you to step into the future and to really build a much more outcomes-driven approach to how you sell and how you manage renewals and, and expansion. So that's what the CoLab is about. Valueize, of course, is strategy consulting. We are the software platform that enables this. But then um, let me just ask Ross to maybe put a little more meat on the bone as it relates to maybe like the methodology that we apply mm -hmm. to. Yeah, no, happy to. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Yeah, so value-wise, yeah, we're we're four, about four years old, and um, Ross founder, CEO of the company. We work with the fastest-growing, largest B2B tech companies in the world on exactly what Jake is describing. And and our genesis was uh, really a combination of experiences I had in my career, in my operator days, of leading companies who are going through both business model transformations and therefore customer lifecycle transformations to get those business models working. Um, and really realizing that there was there was an opportunity to help these companies uh, both strategically as well as operationally go through these transformations. And in the last sort of six, seven, arguably 10 years, the big transformation from a business model perspective has been the subscription economy. It's been sure. getting towards yep. that recurring revenue model, um, selling on subscription, being at the mercy of the unit economics that sit underneath that recurring yep. revenue model, which really just require the company to ensure that they are delivering measurable value in the form of outcomes to their end customers, because it's that measurable value that enables the vendor to then ensure they can retain and expand those customers. And that retention and expansion of those customers and the revenue from those customers being the economic lifeblood of companies today in the subscription economy. So we as ValueWise, we stitch all of that together and um, that focus on defining prescriptive outcomes that a vendor can both sell and then deliver to their end customers uh, that, and those outcomes containing that measurable value that the vendor can hang their hat on when it comes to having those renewal and expansion conversations. That's what we really specialize in. And then we cascade that down to designing playbooks, processes, all the methodologies that ensure that that vendor can actually effectively sell and deliver those outcomes. And then we want to make sure that's operationalized through data and through market leading technology. And that's why we partnered with MetaCX on, uh, on CoLab to really bring it to life. Um, and it's, yeah, it's an interesting space. Every 
tech company out there is, and I'm sure Adrian, you talk to them all the time, are going through some form of transformation, whether it totally. be the revenue yep. model, or maybe they've gone through that transformation, or maybe they were born in the subscription economy, but they're still having to go through a customer lifecycle transformation because they come from the legacies of perpetual revenue and where they were just all about acquiring the customer. Totally. And then, oh, we'll just not worry about it. That yeah. doesn't work anymore. <laughs> no, and, it doesn't. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, that's what we live and breathe at, at ValueWise. Love it. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for setting the stage and thank you so much for giving a sense for just um, where some of that, that that initial opportunity area was clearly glaring to you. I know that for many of the folks that listen to this podcast, these are people who um, absolutely get it, right? They're talking to customers every single solitary day. They're banging out tickets every single day. They probably have 27 tabs open on their screen, just like me right now, every single day, right? Those are the things that you do to take care of your customer portfolio. Um, I, I, I'd love to, I'd love to, as you guys know, we spend most of our episodes, we talk to the team tools, process and feedback. I want to keep a, keep a high level view on that today, but I'd love for you to spend a little bit of time um, talking about, let's start with just the first, the first pillar of team. Since, Number one, this is a super interesting collaborative type of dynamic where you're sort of attacking a problem from multiple angles with multiple areas of uh, subject matter expertise. Can you spend a couple of minutes kind of just talking about, number one, um, how you sort, how you knew or, or when you realized which type of variables was going to be required just to come around this type of a space, come around this type of problem and start providing value for some of the uh, prospects and the customers that we were chatting about the other day? Yeah, I'm happy to go first in that. And then Ross, uh, I'm sure you have a lot to say on that too. Uh, you know, I think that the the heart of the, the issue uh, here is that uh, customer success teams are often just set up to fail from go. You know, the promises yep. made by the sales rep, which by the way, are not their fault. These are often the things that they're enabled on. These are the things they're trained to sell, the promises they're trained to make. Um, but they're often promises that, uh, the customer success team is on the hook to keep. And uh, in many cases, they don't even know what promises were made. So there's misset expectations and yeah. in the handoff. Right. And, and then they're ill-equipped to ensure that those promises are being kept through the delivery of value and then the measurement of value realization. So it makes renewal conversations really, really awkward. And by sheer force of will and personality and, and everything they can do to kick save the deal, they will do. But it just, it feels like a very unsustainable uh, sort of uh, uh, contract or, or bargain with, uh, with customer success teams. So the way we're stepping into this is to say, something's gonna give, there needs to be a different and better way that can make customer success more sustainable and more scalable as a function, and frankly, more successful in, in doing what they do. Yeah, and I think I mean I think there's a theme of unification, which we uh, certainly valueize in MetaCX. We're very strong proponents of and and make reality and unification of the teams within uh, our own companies as well as the companies we work with. Uh, unification around the customer and around yeah. that sort of integrated customer lifecycle. Yeah. The the team structure, the team culture, even more importantly, within so many companies today is based on the legacy business model, which is it's about acquiring the customer and then so what? Uh, <laughs> right. at, at the end of the day, with the business model of, of a recurring revenue model, whether that be subscription, consumption, performance-based, whatever a company might have, 
that just is riddled with risk and doesn't work, but they still have the same team structures and team cultures from the legacy model. And so yep. we need to ultimately, and Jake knows I, I like to talk about, about it in this way, drop a bomb on the current organizational structures of most companies and rebuild them into far more integrated, unified structures that are focused on the customer and the value of that the customer is looking to realize from their adoption of your service or your product and structure that from the acquisition motion all the way into the post-sale motion. And uh, yeah, we don't certainly pretend as MediCX and value-wise that that's a, an overnight change. And that's why we developed CoLab to provide that sort of bomb-proof shelter sure. to highlight yeah. that type of change and, uh, and prove it out. I love it. I think, you know, one of the, one of the thoughts that immediately comes to mind is you're right. It's especially in, 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 in the venture capital back lands where, um, obviously it's all about growth. It's all about, you know, building revenue, building revenue traction, getting as many people on board or getting as many people signed up or getting as many people logged in as possible. Um, but there's often so there's so, um, such a limited amount of attention in the, especially in the early phases, like what I like to call the bonfire building phases, when you're building the bonfire and trying to get people around it, you're trying to get an audience, trying to get a little, little tribe around the fire. Um, and people don't realize that because they're constantly focused on just getting the next customer, getting the next account <clears throat> or getting the next deal in line. Churn becomes a problem so early when in most companies, most traditional companies, most bootstrap companies, if you got four or five customers, you're doing everything for those four or five. So much so that typically those four or five customers equal your next two or three customers. And then growth traditionally happened that type of way. It's been interesting. A lot of technology companies and certainly a lot of VC fueled uh, rapid rapid growth startups, right? They, they kind of do it a different way where it's more about adding. It's more important to add a thousand brand new customers a month, even if say 700 of them leave. So you really only have 300 sticking than just figuring out how to only bring on 400 a month. And in effect, you've already, you've already solved a bit of your problem around churn. You've certainly started to build a stable of promoters. You're reducing the chances of putting a bunch of detractors out there into the world. And then lastly, I just think it's one of the, I, I say this all the time and I'm always talking with awesome customer focused business leaders like you, Jess, but like, it's more fun business to run anyway. It's more fun, fun business to be a part of. And frankly, it's much easier to get new customers and hit goals when you're working inside of that type of an organization. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I've I've worked in uh, a number of what you would regard as sort of really old school classic sales organizations. Certainly from my from my time working in London, where I'm from, in the early sort of two thousands. And yeah, so I know what that old school sales culture looks like, smells like, feels like, and the energy behind it around get the deal done. Yeah, get it done. I know in twenty twenty one with all the companies we work with now at Valueize that that culture is really starting to transform organically and and the sales organizations who whose commission plans are still maybe laser focused on net new acquisition they still care about what happens next totally. they want success to follow yep. they might not necessarily be incentivized purely in that way but so there is there is a i think your point aging around enjoyment there is an enjoyment around knowing, okay, we're going to actually partner with a customer to drive value realization as opposed to acquire this customer. So I make some money. Yep. Um, and so I think that's, 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 that's been pleasing for me to see, but that cultural intent is no, is not enough. We need to empower that with the strategy, the operations, the technology to actually enable that to, to happen. And that's uh, and that's the next step that we're working on. Love it.
Jake, anything to add, my friend? Yeah, so um, we're actually working on a webinar in a couple of weeks, uh, Ross and I, on NRR. And the way I like to put it is that NRR is kind of the new ARR. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. We've been so drunk on logo acquisition. (laughs) But I I think that companies are becoming more enlightened to understand that it's really about lifetime value. And it's it's about understanding the unit economics of the subscription-based business. And that requires a much more rigorous view of how you're going to retain those customers and how you're going to make them successful. And importantly, how you're how you're going to unlock the expansion motion, which doesn't come until you've delivered the first incremental value. Absolutely. Yep. Got to deliver. If, if, if you're not knocking it out of the park on the first term or the first contract or the first set of deliverables or whatever it is that you call it in your space or your business, why do you think you're going to deserve the next at bat? You just simply won't. You yeah, just won't. Exactly. Um, I, guys, I'd love to I'd love to move into, into the next pillar of tools. Can we spend a little bit of time talking about... Uh, at a high level, some of the tools that um, either you work with with your clients or or talk about some of the tooling that you're building, right, for the future in terms of helping all of these other clients and helping all these other business with their customer experience optimization. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, to speak on value-wise, we, yeah, we, we seek to partner. We're not a technology solution provider. We're a technology-enabled consulting, whatever you want to describe it as. We're not, we're not a technology vendor. So we look to partner with the, uh, the cutting edge technology out there. And it's zero doubt in our mind as value-wise that MediCX represents that cutting edge uh, that companies need to execute the transformation to maximize net revenue retention, NRR, as, as Jake's des- describing. Um, and I think there's, we've, we look at this tooling uh, sort of architecture in the concept of systems of record, system of, systems of insight, systems of action, which is a very sort of traditional way of looking at it. It's how sort of ERP and then business intelligence all kind of evolve together. Um, but there's now um, just this criticality around a system of engagement and adding that into that, that stack. And this is where we're excited about MetaCX, where MetaCX has got the system of insight, system of action around both the prescription of outcomes and an agreement of outcomes with a prospect and then the delivery of outcomes once that customer is acquired. Um, the insights required to measure progress around outcome verification and so on. But most excitingly, just personally to me, and, and Jake knows I'm the biggest fanboy of MetaCX out there, it's the engagement <laughs> layer and bringing the customer into this tooling. And that is just, it's been mind boggling to me for 20 years as to how that's been absent. And you look at the CRM out, that CRM's out there, the ERP's out there, the analytic engine's out there. There isn't a really slick engagement layer for the customer to come in and collaborate with the solution provider around Mm -hmm. this motion of agreeing outcomes and delivering outcomes. And that's where I just think that's so important and something that MetaCX has got some very exciting capabilities around, which uh, Jake, you can uh, you can describe far better than I can. Yeah, well, thank you, Ross. And, and um, <laughs> you know, this, uh, this whole notion of including customers in the process seems almost obvious or actually not almost, it seems patently obvious. Yep. Um, but for some reason, we haven't been able to do that or haven't really stepped into what it would look like to include the prospect in the, in the process of co-creating outcomes to create alignment around the right set of expectations, uh, to include the customer in the handoff to make that a moment of delight, not disappointment, and to include the customer in the measure, measurement of, of value realization and just making that whole steel thread a collaborative experience. And 
And that's really what we're doing at, at MetaCX. And the net result of that is a shared success plan backed by live performance data, where customers are able to um, have a hand in defining the promised outcomes, uh, play a role because there's mutual accountability in the achievement to those outcomes and hold themselves accountable to certain things that need to be done en route to those outcomes. And then also see whether or not the outcomes are being achieved. And that creates uh, accountability in both directions, which we think is what's required in any kind of uh, lasting relationship. There needs to be trust and there needs to be transparency and there needs to be mutual accountability. Absolutely. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I think um, a couple of things, because you guys just dropped uh, several um, nuggets of wisdom and gold right there. But the first, the first one I want to start with is just this idea of the usability and the engagement piece. Um, I mean, this is huge, right? Because anybody that is in a position where we are trying to get them to either continuously use our service again and again and again, use our product, use our app, get them to come back, get them to get get them to get uh, involved to the point of where there's, there is the ability to eventually upsell, cross-sell, retain, right? If it's over time, awesome, great stuff. So I think that is huge. And this is something that if folks listening aren't spending minimally, minimally an hour a week with your team thinking about areas of increasing engagement, increasing stickiness, increasing usability, or understanding why those things won't happen, understanding why users won't get you there because there's major friction points that just never get them to the place of where they're gonna see that stickiness or see that usability happen. That's an easy one for people to get started with. Um, the second big one, um, outcomes. This is huge because you know we were joking around about this um, last week or two weeks ago when we were chatting, but like companies, yeah, companies are getting really good at collecting feedback. Everyone knows how to get an NPS or everyone knows how to get a CSAT or people are starting to get, get with it and they know how to do customer effort scoring and product stat scoring, some of these other things. But companies are still very, many, many companies are still very bad at using the feedback or better yet, explaining to the end user, the customer, how they took that feedback, processed that feedback, built it into people, processed product internally, right? For, for your product and your service. And then they gave it right back to them. And that's like that beautiful like circle or, um, you know, cycle of CX that folks like us, that's what we're striving to, to build every single day. Yeah, I mean, one, one thing that I'd say is that, you know, we see happy customers churn all the time. You know, not yep. CX, but in general, I think that the market has, start, has, has created a false uh, uh, correlation between things like, you know, NPS score and the actual behavior of, of, of customer loyalty. Um, it, it's really, really a very weak correlation. Um, so until you can, you can show the, the tangible value that's being delivered, that outcomes are being achieved, it's really, really difficult to use any of those things in any kind of predictive or reliable way. To, to manage uh, uh, retention. Yep, yep, no, that makes perfect sense. Gentlemen, this is this is awesome so far. We've talked about team, we've talked about tools, we've talked about process. I'd love to spend a few minutes diving into the, the, the fourth CX pillar of feedback. Um, Ross, Jay, can one of you guys start off, spend a minute or two talking about some of the things that you've been learning while building your businesses and working with all these different customers that has really been glaring or it's really like a, like a, like a crystal uh, point that any listener could take into their business and, and, and really start immediately seeing value around feedback. Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, in terms of what we, what we see in terms of feedback 
to value-wise as well as uh, our clients' ability to leverage feedback that they're getting from their customer base and take action on it is, again, it's, it's tying it all back to some quantified value. Yep. And so in terms of feedback for our, for our within, within our clients, um, being able to tie that to, hey, if we action this feedback, we're going to get this quantified gain as a solution provider, i.e. this actioning this feedback is going to help uptick this unit economic metric around yep. growth, revenue, retention, or expansion, or what have you. We see a lot of companies, a lot of leaders, uh, certainly before they engage with us, banging their head against a brick wall, trying to drive sponsorship and, and uh, investment in initiatives, in CX initiatives, in tooling, advanced processes, organization, whatever it might be, uh, but are banging that brick wall because they haven't been able to tie it to an economic business case. Yep. And so you get back again to understanding, well, what is the business model that that economic business case needs to be linked to? Well, that business model is linked to the recurring uh, re re retention and expansion of recurring revenue. Yep. So how do we leverage that feedback to improve that situation? Building that economic link, I think, is something that we see as an ongoing opportunity for improvement in a lot of organizations that will really make their life a lot easier when they're having the conversation with their CEO, their CFO. But the same concept applies to direct customer feedback and trying to action that on the behalf or for the benefit of the end customer. What does that customer feedback mean to that end customer in terms of giving them some quantifiable value back yep. as opposed to Jack, Jake's point being, well, if we action that feedback, the customer will kind of feel a bit better. They'll be a bit happier. They'll leave the office a bit happier that day, but it actually won't create any quantifiable yep. for them. So yep. always building that link to quantifiable business value. It's, it's certainly something we're obsessed with at Valueize and how we want to define these outcomes. Outcomes aren't, the outcome isn't, you're going to feel good. The outcome is you're going to see a reduction or increase in that quantifiable metric that creates a benefit. Uh, that's what an outcome is. And so always tying stuff, uh, tying this feedback back to those outcomes is, I think, uh, is a very strong first principle that we encourage people to, to think about. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I can add a whole lot. To that. <laughs> it was well said, Russ. Well said. So vehemently. I, I One thing I will add is that at MetaCX, we think of um, feedback in a couple of different ways. A, it's the collaboration that needs to happen across the customer lifecycle and ensuring that there is a shared understanding from the inception of the relationship through the renewal yep. of that relationship. Yep. There needs to be a clear understanding back and forth in that relationship. And in the absence of that, it just creates a whole lot of uncertainty and doubt on both sides of the equation. And frankly, it's just, it's, it's really a, a very anxiety ridden, um, way to manage a relationship. I've been part on the receiving end of QBRs too many times where I feel like, and you kind of feel for these people, you can empathize, but it's to assuage their fear around um, you churning as a customer, as opposed to demonstrating that value is being delivered or adding value back to me as a customer. Yep. Um, it, it just doesn't feel like there's um, the right dynamic there to make that relationship stick. The second thing I'll say is as a early stage venture back company, um, our whole design process, our whole innovation cycle is driven by feedback, not in the traditional way, but I would go so far as to call it co-creation. Mm -hmm. We have yep. early customers who are informing um, the you know, definition, the core definition of the things we're building. 
And um, when you're in, inventing something new and defining a new category, it's really important that you're very, very closely oriented to the customer need uh, as expressed, not through their conventional view of the problem, but through their sort of here and now view of the problem. And that requires a ton of collaboration. Yep. Yep. Absolutely agree. You know, um, it, it makes me think, gentlemen, when you're talking about the outcomes piece, you're talking about the collaboration piece, and you're talking about just the the mandate to quantify this stuff. The minute that you can put those variables together, or or another way that, that that oftentimes I'll talk about it is the minute you can understand where those variables or KPIs fall across a customer journey, that's when you can really start cooking with gas. And that's where you can really start um, seeing where major opportunities lie. So super, super helpful. Gentlemen, as we wrap up today's episode, I want to make sure, please let us know where can people find out more about MetaCX? Where can people learn uh, more about ValueWise and CoLab? MetaCX at MetaCX.com. Uh, and then the CoLab is MetaCX.com slash CoLab. Yeah, and ValueWise, ValueWise.co. Uh, but yeah, we share the share the CoLab landing page with uh, with MetaCX, but certainly safe to say all our teams, including Jake and I, are very active on LinkedIn and producing a lot of content. And so uh, a lot of thought leadership content on both our websites around this subject and associated subjects. Um, but uh, yeah, always, as you can tell, we enjoy talking about these uh, these topics. So always up for a conversation as well. Love yeah. it. Well, well, guys, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure having uh, customer-focused business leaders like both of you. Um, I, I look forward to keeping this conversation moving into the forward. And of course, as always, we'll share out all of these links with the listeners on, on uh, the episode details so that we have everybody can find you guys. But it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with the CX Nation and joining the CX Chronicles podcast. Thanks so much, Adrian. Yeah, all right, guys. Adrian. Thank you. Take care. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. One quick ask for you, please leave a review letting other folks know how much you love this show. Each week we have these amazing customer-focused business leaders and I need your help letting other people know why they need to tune into the CX Chronicles podcast and why they need to go check out cxchronicles.com today. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning in to customer-focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website, and as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.